0: Calling all beings, y'all. Let's get it. Put your hands together. Put, put your hands together.
1: Welcome back to Calling All beings we're ready to do it ready or not here we come with my money man upstairs money nathan
2: <laughs> <laughs> what's up Cap Fam? how's everybody doing
1: Woo! Nathan, i'm gonna tell you before we go to chris nathan's gonna give you something that you ain't had yet okay mm. so if you're from california you haven't had andouille sausage you better have it <laughs> now let's hang hang a left turn from nathan over to the associate producer of Calling All Beings. Everybody get them hands in the air for Akashi Chris Mullins.
3: Hi, guys. Yeah. I'm so glad to be here. So excited. Yes. Our guest is behind the scenes. Waiting and to come in. He going to wait a little bit longer
1: because I got somebody else to get to. Some business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this man right here, Nathan, this is kind of like having some sort of a secret missile. Mm -hmm. And nobody else has this technology. Mm -hmm. And somehow you were out there one day, you're dressed up like Indiana Jones. You got your 49er business on, the pickaxe and all that, and the Mm -hmm. spade shovel. And you uncovered the humorous antagonist. Yeah, that's right. Boom. Flarious Kevin. Uh, One and only. What's up?
0: Hello. How's it going today?
1: Oh, man. player, yeah. you've
2: been on fire lately, buddy. The video's yeah. incredible. Oh,
0: Des- destroying, you.
1: destroying. And now now, it's, now good. we're about to get to it, my homie, my paisan, okay? I think this brother's from New York, and I didn't even know, but I saw a New York Mets insignia, which means that we down, man. So everybody, put your hands together for the UFO OG, Mr. Joe Mergia.
4: Woo! hey guys oh, thank you thank you for together. having me on and Woo! you pronounce my name perfectly so you are italian yeah i
1: am a Paizan. you know my uh, you may not know my last name but you will because we got some we got some business to cover that ain't gonna be on air
4: well <laughs> no, thanks for having me again guys i'm looking forward to thank it man great to have you with
1: us yes yeah uh it's true now i'll go out of character joe and i'll 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 read. i was just teaching yoga before this so i'll go <laughs> Namaste, Merja. Um, it, it's an honor to have you come on. I know that a lot of people uh, are very interested to have you come on the show, uh, come on their show. And when you said yes to me, I don't know if it was because of the Iandoli connection, and there was sort of a marinara sauce that ran over me from Iandoli into you, but somehow it happened. So, um, or rail sauce, maybe I don't know. Uh, anyway, Definitely Joe. Rails. <laughs> Rails in Spanish Harlem, baby. That's where Akashi Chris dominate in that neighborhood. Anyway, uh, all right. So, uh, Joe, you know, the the breadth of your work is so vast that – uh, we're going to try to find some tangents that we can jump in on, and I have no doubt about this. And by the way, our lovely uh, UFO researcher, uh, a study of, study of UFO, uh, UAP's Debs, also known as the host of Debs Data Dojo, is taking care of another member of our community tonight because that's the kind of love that she has in her heart. We're extremely proud of her. She may join us if she gets freed up, but right now the work she's doing is a little bit more important than this show. Um, so anyway, Joe. Uh, I was listening the other night, and I really was enjoying your th- the type of commentary. I was ready. I love to want to play the mystery music when I hear either the names Dr. Eric Davis, Dr. Kit Green, when I hear my, my man Richard Doty, my friend. When I hear any of these names, it's like I want to hear that mystery music in the background. But I heard you talk about that craft uh, that landed in that person's backyard. And apparently, or reportedly, allegedly, the beings emerged and asked to have their water pitcher filled and then offered the owner of that home some pancakes. So my question to you is, um, would you assume that those are something like buckwheat pancakes? <laughs> are we thinking uh, like multigrain? Uh, maybe gluten-free? Buttermilk? What, yeah, like butter. Okay, no, so I, buttermilk. No, I, li- I really like what gluten, would you, so... So okay? So you, okay, like so you what kind have
2: of to have pancakes? extra gluten. <laughs> that's a <laughs> must. <laughs> extra gluten.
1: Hey, 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 so what? What type of pancakes do you think that they were serving in there? I mean,
4: you know, they ana- analyzed the pancakes, and I don't remember what the an- analysis said. Um, very basic. No salt. But I remember that. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would. Were guess they gray? They were, <laughs> blueberry buckwheat. Yes, blueberry
2: buckwheat. <laughs> thinking,
1: Nathan, take it away, brother.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. I, that that's an incredible story. I mean, that's. Uh, and there's more than the story. I'm not going to go down that tangent. Yeah, I think crazy. there's more than No, I just, story like not, that.
1: I just mean do your <laughs> I thing.
2: It. I love it. It's a perfect <laughs> example
1: of absurdity in this in this field. It's like, what is that? What was that? You know, it's like, yes. Are they using coconut oil? Are they using butter on their griddle? I mean, there's a lot of questions
2: that could so come many up, questions. but I think we'll
1: just leave it aside.
2: Yeah, us. absolutely. Yeah. Well, Joe, I wanted to start with um, one just thanking you for all the work that you've done. You know, I've been active in, uh, you know, kind of lurking in the UFO Twitter community, uh, for a few years before I really became more prominent in it. And, uh, you were like one of the first people that I followed and followed really closely. I mean, the work that you put in, uh, trying to get content out in a different format and your commentary on it to me was incredibly meaningful and valuable. Uh, and I just, can't thank you enough for everything that you're doing. I know it takes a ton of work to do the things that you do both professionally, but also the work that you do within the community. Uh, and then I know you've got your own show too. I mean, and your website, there's just so much stuff that you're doing and I know how much work it takes us to do what we do. And and I just want to say a huge thank you, uh, from me and, and from, from all of us on the show. Absolutely.
4: Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you.
2: It, uh, there's been, you know, folks, I think, um, Would say, depending on who you ask, that we're kind of going through a little bit of a lull period. That uh, you know everybody's kind of been, I guess, acclimated or attuned to getting some some sweet nuggets here and there. And uh, for some people, we kind of are in this have the sense in which we haven't had a really great drop in a little while. Um, Is that an opinion that you uh, share, or do you think that we've had some pretty sort of meaty things to to sort of chew on in the last few weeks?
4: No, definitely not. I do not agree with that because I'm 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 up to here with transcripts of things I think <laughs> are important. And one of them I, I've done a couple of Gary Nolan transcripts and you know, a couple of weeks ago, most of a lot of people knew or had an opinion. I knew because I had heard it from a really good source that Gary was James in American cosmic. In in that book by Diana Posolka, in the beginning it talks about how James is an experiencer and his whole family is are experiencers so that's a huge deal so two weeks ago diana came out and said yeah he uh gary nolan is james and then gary chimed in on it on twitter and joked around he didn't deny it so if you're an experiencer and i know an experiencer would say i don't need gary nolan to tell me my experiences are real but for you to be able to point to gary nolan you know a scientist at stanford and jim semivan who's now giving more details about his experience with his wife when he was in graduate school. I mean, he's Shocking. described the beings. They look like the Michelin man, except they're dark. It was like dark armor. Uh, mm-hmm. C- Colin Kelleher had, an, had a word for them calling the BNB. And I'm saying it wrong. But if you look up Michelin man, you'll see in some of the old in some of the old ads, it'll say the name of that character. Um, mm. So those are two big pieces of information that have come out for the past two weeks. And just like when the videos came out, I was like, for the first time I could say to people, they're like, "Yeah, I don't know about UFOs." I'm like, "Well, have you seen the New York Times article? Did you see the F-18 pilot to have come out? I I was never able to do that before. Now, hmm. if you're an experiencer, you can say, "Have you heard about Gary Nolan? You know, he works he's works on helping solve cancer. He's at Stanford University. Have you heard about Jim Semivan who was high up in the CIA?" Um, so that's a really big deal to me. So, I don't I don't really think it's quiet. Plus, we've had the other day, it was like a week ago, uh Senator Kirsten Gillibrand was questioning the potential new inspector general for the dod and she asked him about you know she asked him about uap and put him on the spot like all right well if i get if i get um confirmed i'll get back to you on that and she's like no you need to get back to me before you're confirmed in writing i want answers to my questions it's like where is she coming from it's like this is like out of nowhere so as lou has said and Mellon has chris Mellon has said her staff is amazing so somebody on her staff is interested in this subject. And she also obviously has an interest. I don't know what videos she was shown during her briefings, but it's enough for these folks to be bringing, bringing it up and not really batting an eye. So yeah, not slow for
2: me. That's awesome. And a quick follow up on that. I mean, because you brought this to mind right away. Did you think we would be talking about experiencers in this way so soon? I think most folks had had thought this would be down the road, but we're entering into that part of the conversation now with, with the two gentlemen you just mentioned.
4: Right. And I thought we would talk about it. I mean, there are certain people in the community that don't want to talk about it. They think it's too soon and you you really can't go to a Senator and bring that up. Um, But yeah, it hasn't happened yet where it's spoken about, you know, I have not seen a reporter ask uh, Marco Rubio or Gillibrand or Gallego. What do you think about, you know, experiencers? Because they're, Mellon, Christopher Mellon has said he gave them a way to, to enter into this by just talking about flight safety and national security. So they don't even have to go down mm-hmm. the path. Even even non-human visitors, they don't even have to go there. Rubio has addressed it a couple of times in some interviews. Um Gillibrand has kind of talked about and joked about it with her, you know, her kids. Um, So we really haven't gone there. I don't know if I would say it's being discussed yet as far as experiences in the mainstream, but... We'll see. CNN is doing, uh, you know, they're doing the documentary at the end of the year or towards the summer. I don't know if they're going to talk about experiences. I don't know if we're there yet. And I know a lot of experiences get frustrated. They're like, we should talk about it now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I agree. I will talk about it. But if I like if you sent me into it, you have to read the room. If you go into a, a certain center's office and you're talking for the first time, you're not going to bring up abductions, obviously. Right. Um, but there are certain people I meet Right away, they say something to me, and I know I can go totally down the rabbit hole, and it, it will not be a problem.
2: <laughs> so and it depends know, on who it is.
1: You know, Joe, even even if, if there is a staffer, uh, Gillibrand has a staffer that is passionate about it. She has to see it as, if not politically expedient, not politically harmful, certainly, or she wouldn't be asking these questions in an open forum. So uh, she deserves a lot of credit. I mean, I, I thought this was you know, the musings of her children asking her about it after soccer practice, which she alluded to herself, but it's actually, she has a deeper thought about that. But with that, uh, let me pass it over to Akashi Chris Mullins. Or Let sorry, me just, Chris, I'll just,
4: that's Chris a great point because I do think she's going to use this if she runs again for president in 2024, if Biden doesn't run. And I think Rubio will too, if, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if he'll, he'll, he'll probably run even if Trump runs, but I think Rubio versus Gillibrand trying to battle each other for the most important UFO <laughs> UFO information is the best thing we could ask for.
1: I could top your UFO information <laughs> right now. We could have that in the debate. Nathan and I, we could moderate that debate. We'll do, we'll do it on YouTube.
4: <laughs>
1: It'd be amazing. It'd be great. All right. Go ahead. Akashi. What's you have, my friend? Oh, Akashi's muted. We, we love you, Akashi. <laughs>
3: I did it again. It's because I have dogs too, Joe, if they go insane. And I was trying to keep that from happening. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, I think we were going to pass it on to Flarius Kevin first this time.
1: Oh, okay. I, you
3: know what? Let's, we're switching it around. We're switching you were a little around. late. That's what happens. Producing yeah. happens.
2: Okay. <laughs> Flair's on mute too, which is uh,
3: <laughs> even better. That's awesome. <laughs> I think that was intentional. We rock. It's we a Flair move. We're yeah. rocking it.
0: I did that on purpose. <laughs> ha ha! Yeah. All right. Okay, so I'll go first. I'll open with my silly rant, rant. Okay. So first of all, I wanted to thank you for your efforts. You're making the information more accessible. I I applaud that. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I just started making content and I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't believe how much you put out and where you find the time. So, dude, respects. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um. Anyway, you. so um, yeah. So, um, um, I made a graphic, actually. Um, Nathan, did you want to pull that up?
2: Yep. Here I was we gonna
0: go. talk about a lot of this. So this is about basically where we're at right now, um, as far as. Did you push play? Yep. Okay. Um. So this is as far. Okay. Can we go back? Sorry. Yep. All right. Start again. All right, so this is um, the UFO community versus the non UFO community. So th- these are the values. So we had basically 4 million views versus our Galileo project, which is like 2,000 subscribers. So 3 million versus 2,000. All right, <laughs> so there we have a UFO um, con, or the UFO conference um, doesn't look very exciting. This is a comic con. All right, this looks much more exciting. This is much more mainstream. <laughs> So I have some ideas to help bring the UFO community, make it a little more mainstream. Okay. I think we should make it like this. So, first of all, we have a musician. We have Tom Delong. <laughs> he's got he's got a band. Blink 182. Tom, where are you? Stop writing books for a minute. We need this. Okay. We want to see a mosh pit oh, with yeah! all these people. We want <laughs> Nick Pope, Mick West in there. All right. This is this is gonna bring us audience, okay? So who doesn't want a Lou Elizondo tattoo? All right. Joe! We need tattooists at these conventions. Oh my god. All right. A <laughs> Lou Elizondo original. Who wouldn't want that? I mean, or or a DJ original too.
3: I totally I want mean, that. Mean, yeah.
0: No. Yes. Who wouldn't want a DJ one?
1: Nobody wants that one, Joe, but they do want the Lou
0: <laughs> All right. So for the kids, we got Green Street. He's good with the kids. Sesame Street, Green Street. We need a cryptid petting zoo. All right. Got all the little cryptos there. I think that'll bring the, bring the kids in. Also, we've got um, who better to lead this um, petting zoo than Brandon Fugle. Yes. in Walker Ranch petting zoo right there.
3: And the Fugel. children don't look scared. Did you notice Oh, no, that? they don't. They're they having don't a great time.
0: So instead of pony rides, we had our dino beaver rides right there. <laughs> the dino song. beavers. And um, for the small, small kids, lose clues. I think Alizana would be great leading this. <laughs> the clues. We got our lose clues there. Oh, all right. So for the super big kids who are still trying to grow up and still have to fight a lot, we got our UFO celebrity death match. So we got, look at that. We got Avi Loeb versus. Oh well, now we got Rue Elizondo versus <laughs> the NASA guy. He's getting ready to do his fireball. All right. Astronaut, so, man. Right. Well, Bill, Okay, now we can, this is where we can adopt a orb, also it would be a cool part Aww. of it. You know, you got to wear your, <laughs> no more tinfoil hats though, because those don't protect you. You've got to have Faraday does. cages. Yes. You got to have the Faraday cage on your head. Okay. So yeah, spread the word. So that's my um take yeah. on how to to get, you know, some of this out to the mainstream. So you as a, you as somebody who's worked in film, well, what what's your take on that? I mean, on a more serious aspect, how do you think we could, Bring this more to the public, you know? I mean, get those 4 million views.
4: I, I mean, there are ways to do it, but I would not do it that way. I mean, you, you create, well, drama, yeah, you create drama with reality <laughs> shows. Reality shows people watch. I mean, I worked on 90 Day Fiancé, which is a really popular night, you know, reality show. And the reason people watch yeah. is because it's a train wreck and it's drama. Um, right. So, you know, you could do that in the UFO field, but we don't want to do that. So, one way. I just think it's going to happen naturally, naturally organically over time. The videos are so important and and they took a risk getting those videos out. I don't know exactly, you know, mm-hmm. Mellon talked about how it was definitely bending the rules a little bit, Yeah. but those cool. videos are still, if you watch the 60 minutes, Australia, they did a little series uh, called unidentified. It was just put up on YouTube and the videos are still being played, still being an- analyzed four years later. Yeah. So if we get one, we just need one video that shows 90 degree turns, um, something that but I still don't know if that's going to make it mainstream, because people are worried in my family, they don't pay attention to this whatsoever, a little bit along the way the past four years, but recently, no, the UFO office, Gillibrand, they're from New York, not one word from them. And I've posted on Facebook, so I don't Mm -hmm. know what it's going to take. It's going to have to affect their lives. They're like, listen, I have bills. I have to take care of my family. I really can't worry about something that might happen so far. You know, nothing has happened. Right. Maybe a mass sighting, uh, you know, during yeah. the day, we've had the yes. Phoenix lights, yes. but that was, you know, if that was Phoenix. It, that was over at night. It was at night. You really couldn't see what it was. So if we had something during the day, maybe that would get the masses interested. Otherwise it's just going to take time. I, I really don't know. And I've thought about that. I'm trying to think, how do we get the masses interested? And yeah. it is happening, but it's just slow. And that's why I think so, yeah, says got, it's a long marathon. We got a long way to go. Yeah.
0: yeah, we've got to change their values somehow. We've got to get them to value something more than eyebrows or or makeup or how how much food is trendy on TikTok. You know, it's just
4: yeah, Kim Kardashian I bring it up Kim Car- Kim Kardashian. I don't know, 70, 80 million followers. It's that kind of that's the kind of focus, you know, people are focused on that. You know, it's like and I've been part of the problem. I work on reality shows, which which I'm trying to get away from. So I've worked that's on some job. of those
1: shows. Hey, yeah, but hey,
4: still it's like there have been shows I've worked on. And I'm like, I am going to help because I've worked on
1: this
4: show. You
3: didn't work yeah. on Flavor Flav. <laughs> no, Did I you? worked on Life
4: Swap. Wife Swap was, oh, was really hey, that, bad. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Hey
1: Joe, so I got two things. Uh one thing, I don't know if you know from the podcast world, Reality Life's Kate Casey. Uh she does one of the most prolific reality show podcasts. I had her on my old show before this one, and she has at least verbally committed that she's going to come on calling all beings. And she used to work in the White House. I mean, she is a brilliant lady uh, and very, very smart and funny. So I hope we get her on. Uh, I hope, I hope you know, fingers crossed on that. But the second thing I was going to say is we've spoken about this at length. I believe that if, if we were to have irrefutable contact, which is what you were alluding to, so a major city during the daytime and all the news cameras, all the trucks, you know, people that are in your business are able to get out and see that and view that and film that. So now we've got Fox, we've got MSNBC, we have CNN, we have the local news networks. If it's irrefutable, people will have to deal with it. There's no, the Phoenix lights were easily dismissible. Right. This would not be in broad daylight. Would you agree, disagree? What's your thoughts I, on that? I would
4: agree. And once, and I was thinking about it today, once the press gets a hold of it and people really want to know, it's going to be nonstop shows, nonstop panel shows on all of those. It's going, to be, it's going to be out of control. And that's where I saw somebody today saying when scientists get involved and the mainstream gets involved, ufology is kind of probably going to go away a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm sure regular people, there'll be enough people that want to know and they'll reach out to folks like us who have been at this for a long time. Um, but it's going to take on a totally, it's going to look really different. It's It's really going to be amazing to see people debating it. And you'll probably... If they're smart, they'll have the folks, the religious folks who are on, who are on, who I think are the folks, and we could talk about the folks in the Air Force and the folks, Lou has, you know, who he encountered in the Pentagon, they don't want us to even study this because they think it's demonic. So, so that, that whole, that whole, you want drama, you can have panelists, you know, debating that issue back and forth, which I think is a fair debate. I mean, it's part of the story, you know, that's part of why I don't think. We've seen data from the Air Force because the higher ups just don't want it out because they think, you
1: know, it's demonic. I I think uh, I I don't I've actually gave this little this little speech last week because we have a new chief of staff named Charles Q. Brown. He's the first black chief of staff that we've ever had in the history of the Air Force. And I don't know his particular values, although I did get to hear him speak about the uh, George Floyd killing and. I think what it has to do with is if you were to read and you were to and I can probably pull this up and and send it to you. But the mission statement of the Air Force and not first of all, let me just say I'm in the camp of I don't like being deceived. I don't like being lied to or BS. And I know like you uh, as a New Yorker, we don't like that. Nobody likes that. And the fact that they to the extent this has happened is, is a result of. Our mission statement is air superiority over the United States and projecting global power, uh, global air power across the world. None of that mission statement includes something like I need to tell the people who want to know about UFOs about UFOs. I need to do my part to the National Command Authority, President, Joint Chiefs of Staff, Secretary of Defense, that I'm fulfilled my mission, which is instill confidence in the public that we have control of the skies when in fact we all know they don't when those things appear right no i i agree i don't think it's just the demonic
4: angle i think what you just said they don't want to admit that there are craft here that we can do nothing about you know we have no control you know as as people say they act with impunity over restricted airspace um you know they have you also have the technology angle if we do have this technology you don't want what whether or not Russia and China have it too, you just don't want to take that chance. So I understand that aspect of it. So yeah, it's um I don't know what's gonna break open that dam. I think we're in the we're heading in the right direction. But I'm not sure if somebody like Gillibrand, I don't know what it's gonna take. Let's say they the Air Force people, they do have let's say whoever's in charge of that data warehouse or multiple warehouses or special access programs, I don't know how we're gonna get access to that. That's the biggest question. I had that question. 22 years ago, I was I was calling into a show 22 years ago, early 2000, asking the same exact question. It's like, and we still, I mean, we're definitely making progress when we have crash retrieval language in the NDAA. So that's that's a huge thing. So it's being discussed, but I don't know where we go from here, how we get to that access.
1: I need to turn this over to Nathan because it's his turn. But I just want to say that if Lou Elizondo is the head of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program was not read into every single program, special access or otherwise, that has either down craft, as Richard Doty says, biological material that was harvested from live and deceased beings, etc., then you know that there is a construct out there that is able to keep someone with the need to know from knowing. So who would those people be? The president, the secretary of defense, the joint chiefs of staff. So that's, yeah, that's why Admiral
4: Wilson, Admiral Wilson was in charge of intelligence and he couldn't get access to this program. And people are like, why would he think he would get access? It was a special access program and he wasn't on the bigot list. But if he felt like he was in charge of intelligence, he's like, this is, this is my purview. I should have access (laughs) to this information. So it's like, it was understandable that he actually felt like he should have been given access, but he wasn't. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. And Joe, you touched on this a second ago, and I think this is why I enjoy your perspective because you've been in this for quite a while. Um, I think before the two, 2000, right? You've been doing this since the 90s, right? You've been interested in this topic. Like
4: 96 is when I really started getting into it. And somebody mentioned Whitley Schreiber's book to me, and that was kind of what
2: sent me down that rabbit hole. Amazing. So I was wondering, like, just with the span of that time, because I reflect on this myself, the, the sort of journey that people go through in this topic, they start out kind of typically in a, if you're, if you're not an experiencer, you generally start out in this, you know, interested from more of the science or the technology, or we're not alone perspective. And then you kind of go through a journey. And I was wondering if you could speak to your journey a little bit. I've, in particular, I've enjoyed the tweets in the last year from you that have I have noticed, and maybe this is just me picking up on it, where where it's always been there. But I've noticed you've been very uh, sort of much more nuanced in your take on what might be going on than uh, than I remember. So I just wanted, you know, kind of has that always been where you where, where you have been, or have you uh, have you kind of gotten there over time?
4: When I first started out, so the reason I got into this really strong was because I wanted to impress. A female. Mm -hmm. What? So I was working with somebody in Tampa and we were working for city government and I met her and I'm like, started hanging out with her. She's like, we're just friends. We're just friends. And then she goes, oh, my, my, by the way, my aunt, I don't know how it came up. She goes, my man, my aunt had an experience where this being was in her house next to her. She woke up in this reclining chair and the being was right there. I'm like, what did it look like? She's like, the cover of that book. I'm like, what book? She's like, oh, and she finally realized it was communion wow. by Whitley Strieber. So I like, all right, I'm going to read that book. So now I have something in common with her. So I read the book. Nice. Didn't realize it was scary. Did not realize anything. Like It was like that. And I put it down. I'm like, I'm not reading this. And went to sleep one night. I was on the couch and slept on the couch. I woke up and I could not move. I was paralyzed on the couch. So I'm like, you know, it's typical, People say sleep paralysis. Other people say precursor to an out-of-body experience. Other people say it's an abduction. Well, I just read an abduction book. So I'm like, here come the aliens to come take me. So I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, So I got out, I struggled out of it. And the next day I'm like, that's a sign to me to finish that book. Mm. So I finished <laughs> it and I finished Schreiber's next book, Transformation, and then Breakthrough. And I went into all these new age books. I believed everything I read. I had no discernment. Um, I thought, disclosure was coming in, you know, it was 96, 97. I thought disclosure was coming by 2000. Mm. Um, I I worked with somebody who would debate me and he was really a skeptic and it really helped me mold my arguments. I'm like, you know what? He's right. I can't prove half the stuff I'm talking about. None of it. I can't prove any of it. So, and I became more conservative along the way, but then I went back a little bit towards the other way. I took remote viewing classes in 97 Mm. uh, years, a couple of years after that with a couple of remote viewing teachers and and then recently, a lot of my interest was something I didn't know. I didn't realize there was, a, there was a connection between poltergeist and UFOs until Eric Davis said it on Coast to Coast a couple of years ago. He said every UFO sighting has poltergeist activity. And what he meant was close encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't realize that. And then Hut for the Skinwalker came out and the whole hitchhiker effect. So that sent me that, down that path. And I'm I'm really trying to figure – and I don't – assume that I can figure anything out, but I try to figure out whatever information points in a certain direction and try to share that maybe somebody else comes, comes up with something because I do think there's a connection 100% between whatever that intelligence, intelligence is that causes poltergeist activity. They can also create UFO sightings. I don't know if that's the entire answer. There might be a totally separate intelligence that connects, you know, that is UFOs and maybe the poltergeist intelligence can mimic UFOs to trick us. I don't know. But the people who are the Christians in the government and the Air Force, in the beginning, according to Nick Redfern, they were they were open to other ideas. They were like, it's, you know, it's another dimension. It wasn't strictly demons and angels. It was more nuanced. Um, As the years went on, they became very strongly that it was just demons and the good stuff was angels. So I'm I'm more open to that stuff. I mean, I've read I've read in a lot of controversial stuff. I've gotten in trouble just mentioning David Ike's name on Twitter because I'll get labeled as an anti-Semite. I mean, and, I, and I've and i seen Ike lecture and I don't, you know, I don't really talk about him too much. A friend of mine's like, don't talk about him. I'm like, but some of the information that he has in there, I think may be spot on. And I've had somebody t- tell me, somebody really smart saying a lot of his information is accurate. So that doesn't mean it's accurate, but it's something I pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so I really I don't know if I answered your question. If I don't know if I really... You did. Know, you, 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 know? you told yeah. about the journey, and you you opened my mind, started to think about poltergeists and UFOs. Tell me, can you expand on that a little bit before we go to the next...
4: Yeah, I mean, Skinwalker Ranch is a perfect example because they've sent five DIA folks there, and there's UFO activity at the ranch. Well, mm-hmm. all five of them went to the ranch, went home, and they started having poltergeist activity in their homes, uh, shadow beings... Um, one lady, the the mother of the character named Jonathan Axelrod, she saw a bipedal wolf staring at her during the day outside, um, didn't tell anybody about it. And then her son experienced it separately. It was uh, they went in the backyard. They checked a tree. There was claw marks in the tree. So they believed oh, it, was physi- it was physical. And then one of the kid's friends, the kid didn't tell anybody. One of his friends experienced it. So it seems to. Sh- The activity, the the poltergeist activity seems to spread like a contagion. I don't know. You know, it's called hitchhikers where it supposedly attaches Mm -hmm. to you. You take it home. It wasn't just Skinwalker, though. There was a case on the West Coast, a biotechnologist. He was in the car with his daughter and driving along. And she sees these orbs out, you know, just off in the distance. Two of them come into the car. One of them goes through her father's shoulder. Um, He gets sick with a very rare ductal cancer. Mm -hmm. She goes home to the East Coast. Poltergeist activity bursts out Mm -hmm. in her home. So it's like, what is that? What is going on? It's like, you know, one of the theories that's been going on for such a long time and, and I've gotten criticized for bringing this one up too, is whatever this is, it feeds off of negativity in our lives. So it comes in and it, and it, and it focuses on families or people that have negativity. Although what I just told you doesn't really fit that. Um, but the whole, where was I going with that? Um,
1: People have said with the ranch, if you brought violence, if you bring an attitude to the ranch, like, uh, you know, you're bringing weaponry, you're bringing a mind of I'm going to take this thing on, that it approaches you that way. But if you sort of come with a a peaceful gesture of just, you know, discovery that it, you know, it doesn't attach a negativity, I I think you guys, everybody in the panels heard things like that. Have you heard that, Joe? I've heard the
4: theory. I've heard the theory. Um. But then you have Thomas Winterton, who's the, the ranch superintendent. I mean, he got a brain injury. It was very serious. I don't think from what I've seen of him, he's not the kind of guy that had that attitude. Yeah. Um, and as far as the, the the hitchhiker stuff, like I said, it happened to the to the guy's daughter, um, you know, and it ruined You know, her. Her roommate had to move out. It was just he couldn't take all the poltergeist activity. Right.
1: Yeah. You it's know, like, and
4: people have gotten sick, too. Like I said, her father, you know, went through his arm. He got this cancer. Um, had a dream that night where they said, we're going to fix this, but they still got sick. I mean, maybe it wasn't as bad. Maybe it was because I asked Calm Kelleher. I go, assuming this is an advanced intelligence, you would think at this point they would know that going through a human is going to cause the human to get sick, right? whether it's radiation or whatever they are. So it's like that doesn't make sense to me unless somebody said, well, maybe they were just like little kids. The orbs rep- represented some kids off on a little, you know, a little field trip and they didn't know what they were doing. It's like, it really, a lot of it is really hard to figure out. And he's like, we don't think UFOs are, you know, there's ill intent. We just think they're bad for human health. And it may be it's an intelligence that just goes about their business. And if we get injured, oh, well. Y- yeah, exactly. Like, you know,
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of
4: right. like we do with, with lesser intelligent beings. If we step yeah. on an anthill, we're like, you know, we don't worry about it the rest of the day. Right. That, may be, that may be part of what's going on. And Lou mm-hmm. has this insinuated if that, you know, he's mentioned the food chain. I'm not sure how the masses would be able to handle that. I think we'd be a lot better than most people, but I don't know if it would be, a you know, I think we'd have to see how we actually react to it because. Hold on a second. Hey, the dog is going crazy. It's a puppy. We need the he's puppy. Like he's like, there other guys in the house. What are you Where's doing? that door? There's, There's a ghost. He's digging. He's digging into my papers. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that could be, you know, I don't know how the masses would handle it. I say I would be able to handle it, but that's another story. Just like if I went outside and I saw a craft, you know, a couple of hundred feet over my head saying I could handle it and seeing it are two different things, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, and I don't want, I always say with a, with poltergeist activity, I don't want, I don't need to know. I believe enough. The stories are similar across <laughs> so many people. So many credible people, credible people have had the
1: experience. I think it's real. I just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Here's a very credible person, Akashi Chris Mullins. Hi. Um,
3: thank you so much, Joe, for, you know, first of all, taking the time to be here with us. This is really awesome. So um, uh, so I just, I'm like, I'm going to go check out. I've had a hell of a week, and uh, I said I'm going to go check out, you know, what Joe's been doing. You know, this is last video he posted. So I saw your thought-provoking um, deathbed experiences and um, I wanted to ask you about that. First of all, on a personal level, um, it, it was really interesting from a synchronicity perspective that this came up because I just lost my mom three days ago and she basically oh, went through my soul. No, but I, I meant to tell you because it she went through my soul. And when I'm reading, you know, when I was listening to you telling the stories, you took 50 stories of deathbed experiences and and went through it and and shared some of your own and some of your experience at the VA I want to know kind of what drove you to doing that piece because um thank you for doing it because it spoke to me at a at a time that I really needed it and um I just want to know kind of what drove you to that and what you think about that
4: so I saw the article yesterday and I'm reading it and I'm like I need to share this because I mean I don't I don't like to focus just on UFOs, although that's what I've done a lot of the past four years because I love the life after death subject and psychic abilities. And I was reading this article and I'm like, I can just read some of these. And I think a lot of people will appreciate it. And I'll, I'll throw in some of my own personal experiences when I worked at the veterans hospital and I worked with people who are dying and I knew they were going to die. And that's not something I would normally do. It's out of my comfort zone to just to go in and, and meet people like that. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take that class. And I took a three-day class taught by one of Danny Brinkley's teachers. And he's the guy who he was the guy that was struck by lightning, had his near death experience. Um, There's also a movie about him, I think that was made. So I did it. And it was the best thing I've ever done. It's like, I would, you know, whatever problems I had in my day, I would go in and talk to guys who are dying, and they would not complain. It was very rare for them to complain, even though they were all dying, and they knew it. And like. My one story is one guy, I went into his room. It wasn't one of the guys I spent a lot of time with. There were three guys I spent like nine months total with before they all passed on. But this one guy, I went in and new guy and he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, "I'm I'm all right. How are you? He goes, not good. I'm like, what's the matter? He's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I just want to die. Um, and he, and he's talking to me, just like I'm talking to you. You couldn't tell there was anything wrong with him and I don't know what was wrong with him. So, you know, we talked a little bit and I, I didn't know what to say. And I said, I just said, I hope you get what you want and left. And then the next day or the day after I talked to the nurse, she's like, yeah, he's gone. He, he passed on. Um, last night, he was laying in his bed. I was in his room. He looked up at the ceiling, put his both arms up like that, put his arms down, closed his eyes and died. So it's like there's so many stories like that if you talk to nurses. And that's what that article was focused on. A lot mm-hmm. of nurses and caregivers, you hear, you hear stories like that. People can make themselves die. They can hang on. Um, they'll see a ball of light next to the bed when the person passes on. I't have I don't have any stories like that, but I also had a dream of one of the guys who had emphysema.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: went home. He was some days it would be good, some days he couldn't talk because he was out of breath, but he wasn't there was no signs that he was gonna die anytime soon, even though he's in palliative care six months or less to live. Anyway, so I had no inkling anything was different on this day. went home, had a dream that he died. Went in the next day or day after, and the nurse stops me before I go in. She's like, I, I need to talk to you. I'm like, Frank died, right? She's like, how do you know? I'm like, yeah. I had a dream last night that he died. It was really clear. And mm. she was like, she didn't really bat an eye because they have experiences like that all the time. So, right. you know, and I had an experience like that when I was like in ninth grade, I dreamt that my schoolmate who I had a huge crush on, I dreamt that her mother died just out of the blue. I go in the next day or day after and she's like, yeah, I was out because my mother died. It's like, wow. Wow. Oh, and as, as, as a, as a 15 year old, I didn't really put two and two together. I just thought it was just a random dream. But later on, I started getting into the subject. I'm like, that was some sort of premonition. What it meant. I don't know, but there's no way I could have possibly known her mom was even sick. I didn't know that 40 years later last year, I connected with her on Facebook. I said, I need to tell you a story about when we were in ninth grade and she, she said, yeah. And we, we talked and it was pretty amazing. And it turns out her son lives in Vegas. I met her son that night. She's on the East coast. So,
1: wow. Yeah.
4: It's pretty cool.
3: That's very cool. So, yeah. So in, you know, in a lot of the stories and in one that, that resonated with me and uh, I've seen it with a couple of people lately in my life is the, the fact that they see people. And I know that they call it dementia, but there's something, there's something different between seeing like random objects and things that don't make sense. And the the fact that you see your the person that you love that's looking behind you instead of it your eyes going, you know, and I'm like, is somebody there? And she said yes. And I mean in this in in your stories that you were reading, that's like statistically kind of a constant so yeah, I, yeah, I i, I tie it. it to i think people see something that we don't see normally that the end of life they're seeing it right
4: and, I mean, and there are people there are people there's a book and i have not read the book but i've skimmed mm-hmm. through it online it's called phantasms of the living um and it was a science i think it was the sci- the society for psychical research i may be getting it wrong in the uk and they put together a couple of the scientists put together anecdotes of people where they would see somebody in their house and they're like and they weren't always dead Sometimes it would be it would be alive people who are still alive but most of the time it was somebody who was dead but they didn't know they were dead at the time they're like what are you doing in my house at two in the morning and then three weeks later when they would get the telegram because there was no internet or phones they would find out that person passed at that point and it's just case after case after case after case so um yeah people see stuff what are they seeing i don't know it's like I went into some dark stuff yesterday. I don't know if you heard it, but there was one case where a woman, she's like, she sees her husband and, and the nurse is like, oh, that's great. And she's like, no, I hated my husband. Yes. I don't want to yes. see him. So it's like, what is that? Is that really her husband? You know? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's Real people, I do think people, I don't think it's a hallucination. I'm sure hallucinations are part of that with some people, but these people are, you know, it's very clear for them. They're. Um, they're, they're not in like a, a lot of them are just in a regular conscious state and they see things and that's like I said it's not just people in the hospital
3: Thank you so much, Joe. So I'm going to pass it on to her. No, this was fantastic. And and I'm still not done because there were so many stories. And I'm like, I want to go through all of them because they were all fascinating. So thank you for sharing that with me. And And the other thing
4: you said that's very common across, you know, people seeing things. The other thing is people can hold on. Like my mom would not, my, my mom was not passing. She was in hospice and we're like, what is she holding on for? You know she's not even she's not conscious. She's just mm-hmm. laying there every day. And then my father, finally, my sister's convinced my father to whisper in her ear, say, it's okay, you can go. That night, she leaves. Doctor talks to yeah. us right afterwards. He's like, we see it all the time. People have that ability to hang on. It's a really yeah, amazing yeah. you know ability we have.
3: Yeah, that that that's so crazy is my my mom was hanging on and I was trying to figure out I kept asking her what are you hanging on for it's like it's okay to go because she was in so much pain and wasn't speaking but then I went home and it's like maybe she was just waiting for me to leave I came back but I cleaned up she was always obsessed with people looking like cleaned up I think she when she saw me clean up and come back and be calm and just held her hand 15 minutes later she lost so it's their time. It's their choice. So um, yeah. anyway, so I'll, I'll stop talking now and go to the next person. <laughs> so thank you so much. No, it's Joe. All good.
1: Welcome. You can take as much as you want. I'm sorry. My so mic much. is
3: too loud. So my yeah. apologies.
1: It's all good. My mom did the same thing. She had made her decision when she was going. She was at hospice and she just peaced. So, uh, Mr. Mergia, um, there are so many, you know, it's interesting that, you know, we have the nuts and bolts folks. Uh, I think, you know, you and I are both in that category, but you alluded to earlier the amount of uh, reading that you've done on the subject that took you to a certain place and then your coworker had to bring you back to reality. And now you've sort of find a balance, but I'm curious with all the different theories out there, and I asked this to a lot of guests because I'm sort of curious what stimulates people and so i think one question could be as to your drive uh but i think another question i would want to ask is is uh what do you find really fascinating of the theories that are out there whether that be something like um extraterrestrial ultra terrestrial a dna manipulation um uh, something where uh, an intelligence had planted beings on this planet. Like, what is your something that really fascinates you that that you've heard the from one all theory, your sources?
4: The one, th- uh, sources will not, I'm trying to think. There's only one person that really gave me their opinion on what they thought was going on. And it was multiple intelligences here. ET, interdimensional, time travelers. Um So nobody else, everybody else is like, we don't know what's going on. You know, it's only speculation. And, you know, I think Eric Davis in his interview with Stephen Greenstreet said, you know, we don't know if they're extraterrestrial. We don't know if they're based on this planet, but we do know that they're using other dimensions to get here. Um, For me personally, the one theory that really stands out, which is the most interesting, is it's one intelligence able to do all of this stuff. It's able to mimic everything that we see, which is amazing to me, if that's the case. I don't really know if that's the case, but. Um, you know, if it can create craft, if it's that advanced, where I say, I use an example of just a super duper advanced 3d printer, which is a really bad example. Um, something, creating something at the atomic level, whether it be a craft or a being, um, or it can, or it's with experiences, it may be, they're actually able to project something into our consciousness, into our, you know, our. Perceptions where it feels real, but it's really not real. But then you have Jim Semivan saying him and his wife were both injured. I think Grant Cameron has gone a little further and saying I think his wife was cut a little bit. Um, and then Jim Semivan said something else happened to him. He wouldn't say what details, but it wasn't his wife was worse off than him. Um, so people get hurt. Um, I'm trying to think if anybody else has given theories that I've that I can think of. Um, it's all across the board. I mean Somebody said, you know, they thought maybe it was really, really dark, a lot darker than people realize, mm-hmm. which is along the Tom DeLong angle, because he's talking about how, you know, some of this stuff kept him up at night. And so, and that's why in the very end, I come to the conclusion that I don't know. And it's like everything I, I talk about is a speculation on that front. Hopefully one day, if we get enough people who are in the conversation, scientists around the world, psychologists, sociologists, maybe if a group to, as a gather as a group, as together as a group, we can figure it out. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe whatever this is, doesn't want us to figure it out. You know, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever have disclosure. If this, whatever this intelligence is may not want disclosure. Um, but whatever, one great thing Lou said, listen, if you're, if you want to talk about bodies right now, you know, that kind of thing, he goes, come back in five years, find a hobby and come back. And a lot of people were turned off by that. And they're like five years, go do a, go have a hobby. What he's saying is That kind of talk is not going to happen right now. We're not anywhere near close to that. You know, we can talk about it, but you're not going to have Senator Senator Gillibrand saying, by the way, um, before you get, you know, confirmed, I want you to go research the bodies that were, you know, that were found on the craft in Roswell and get back to me on that. That's not going to happen. Maybe I hope I get to see that in my lifetime. Craft and bodies. They wheel. I've said this before. During a hearing, they wheel the craft. Down the aisle and say, here it is. It's intact. We have it. Here you go, world. And then the bodies come in the little containers. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine
1: the ratings for that. Oh, my God. I mean, billions. I, I And you know what? Until then, I'm happy to speculate about it because that's half of the fun of talking about. the oh, yeah. phenomenon. I love uh, just just like somebody who wants to talk to you about consciousness. None other than Flarius Kevin.
0: OK, so, yeah, I'm going to bring it to consciousness. Right, so consciousness—it's um, pretty big in this topic um, lately. So, um, so consciousness—it's it's something that it's unexplainable, right? But it's always interpreted interpersonally, sort of exactly, kind of like the phenomenon. that's always interpreted interpersonally. So that being said, I was wondering if you value those interpretations, or or do you value more the specific observable and the measurable data? Like you've got the whole. Other set of people who just measure things and type the numbers. So, which one do you think would, I guess, bring us closer to understanding the phenomenon? You think?
4: You know, I I think if we focus, and I not me personally, but scientists will focus on the numbers and the measurables. Um, In my opinion, once people realize that something is here that's not human or I don't even like saying not human because if it's time traveling humans, and it could be human, mm-hmm. something not part of our society, if something is here, once people accept that, I think they'll say, what else have we been lied to about? And then we go down the consciousness route. And like, remote viewing is real. You have abilities that we all have to some degree. You have not been told that you can work on that. Everything like that. You know, some people have the ability to move things with their mind very little, um, I don't think there's any macro pK out there that i that I know about. There's so many things on the consciousness level. I think accepting of UFOs by the masses, we can head down the consciousness route. Um, life after death, everything like that, out of body experiences. I don't know if that's gonna happen, but that in my that's my that's my dream world where that opens the door. the nuts and bolts opens the door to everything else. and then we got the multiverse and then, you know, the the guy I've been reading recently, Paul Eno, he believes it's a multiverse. We're just into you know, we're colliding with these other worlds. That's what you're Hmm. seeing. You know, they're kind of bleeding through into our world, um, which I think is really interesting and maybe what's going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love his theory and I know I'm going down a tangent a little bit, but it's kind of consciousness. His theory (laughs) is, you know, poltergeist activity, which sometimes will turn very negative. He thinks it's parasites and he thinks there's like nine types of parasites, not demons. He's like, I don't believe it's that cut and dry where it's demons. Mm-hmm. These parasites feed off of our negative energy. That's just what they do. Um, that's just how they survive. Um, I would, I kneel, I really need to interview him because I think I like that explanation and I've had in my family, one thing I've never talked about I thought about today. This is so off topic. Not really, not off topic. So when I was younger, I would sleep with my sisters. We would sleep in my parents' room in the air conditioner in New York because we had one room with air conditioner. <laughs> So we'd sleep on the floor. (laughs) And there was this one time where I heard this evil, maniacal laugh. It was audible. And it was like,
0: (laughs) was it like like, DJs?
4: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, as a kid. So I look back, I'm like, did I imagine that? Did I hear that? But there's other stuff that went on to my, in my house with other family members that was very negative. So, Yeah, a lot of stuff going on in my house Um, that would fall into the other world, other, you know, other consciousness we're interacting with. Um, So, yeah, um, consciousness for me, like I said, I took in 97, I took a remote viewing class with Lynn Buchanan. I discovered remote viewing, became obsessed with it like I do with most things in my life. Took the class, found out that I can do it to some degree. Um, My first wife was very psychic. She was really good. And then my second wife i second wife i took classes with her too with prudence calabrese who was a non-military remote viewer um so yeah i love that stuff it's just my biggest issue in this community is when people say well this is what's going on mm-hmm. the greys are here the reptilians are doing this it's the sixth dimension that kind of stuff i it turns me off right away because i'm like i don't know if that's true or not and everybody has a different opinion and when I first got into this, I was reading channeled books and they were all giving different explanations for what's going on. I'm like, they can't all be right. They're so different. Right.
1: Um, so, yeah. Consciousness. Well, <laughs> you know, the only thing I want to push back about telekinesis on what you said, Joe's about moving little things. We all saw Yoda pick up the X-Wing fighter out of the water. Everybody in this panel saw that. Right. Right. Yeah. Nathan's. Yeah. So I mean I think it's more than just moving like the nail clipper across the table. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I would hope yeah, so. Maybe in,
4: maybe in the future we can get to that point, but right now <laughs> it's so micro.
1: Luke did it. I mean I don't remember you, that that missile went right through. There may be a message anyway, in that okay. movie.
4: That's a message. How we that's that's um, there may be other beings who are like us in this galaxy who can do that. You know maybe that's the message. As Lua said, he mentions consciousness. He goes you know, it's not just humans. Maybe consciousness is, is inherent to all beings that we're dealing with. Um, Ooh. you know, he brought that up in, I think it was the making contact conference over the summer, which the con the, that, that transcript is up on my blog. And it was, it was one of the things he really got into, he was dealing with somebody who channeled information. Um, I forget the guy's name. He deals with the, I forget the title, but there are folks they're supposedly extraterrestrial group that's trying to warn us about what what's going mm-hmm. on on this planet I forget the guy's name um but he's saying they're saying there are negative ets here that are just taking advantage of us you know that's all they're doing they're just mining the planet for for um what's the word
2: Lush.
1: for not lush,
4: but um, no the, he didn't go that far but they're mining it for um not material well, materials biological part,
1: material yeah and I mean, we're part
4: of that they're you know using us but it was a really great, oh, that was one of my favorite events. It was a multi people. It was, it was Ralph Blumenthal, Lou. It was Danny Sheehan. It was really great. Uh, if anybody gets a chance, it's on my website. And, and I started out, I think Lou's quote I used was um, something about there's a non-human being. I, I have to pull it up. I could do it while you guys are talking. Just if people want to find it
1: easier. Hey, hey Joe, we have something from Jazz Shaw for you at the bottom of uh, the people in charge of the secrets want to hear about the things that are testable documentable, and repeatable. We're only scratching the surface of actual UAP. They're not ready for Yoda. What, what Jazz? Are you kidding? Ca- <laughs> I mean, you could, le- you could have at least told me this in private. <laughs> he
3: right. did but- it in a stupid <laughs> chat.
4: <laughs> By the way, the, the blog is called It's Probably Not Human, Elizondo Blumenthal and the Allies of Humanity. That's, that's, the, uh, mm. that's the book I'm talking about. And the guy's name... Mm is marshall summers but jazz Hmm. says the people in charge of the secrets want to hear is he talking about the masses or is he talking about the secret keepers i'm confused on that because i think the masses he's right to to get to the point where we want to go we have to start off basically but like i said there are some people that you talk to them right away and they're like oh by the way i had an experience i've never told anybody that anybody so once people feel feel comfortable and they're they're beyond feeling stigma i think we'll get a lot more openness from people
1: but if, if uh, when, James when,
3: wants to clarify When
1: he, he, he said – I understand what he's saying. When he says the people in charge, I believe he's talking about, like, the Senate Intelligence Committee, the special committees. I think they want right. to see things that are testable, repeatable, documentable. I think yeah, that's that, what I makes. agree. They don't want to
4: remote, remote viewing is testable, repeatable, and documentable. That's one thing. People like – I'm mm-hmm. like, have you studied the subject at all? Have you tried it yourself? It's repeatable. It's yeah. not <laughs> always good. Sometimes the, the results are crap. Sometimes the results are – they called them eight martini results where the results were so good. <laughs> the results were so good. They had to go out and have eight martinis afterwards. Wow.
1: I love it. Nathan's, yeah. Nathan's never gotten over seven.
2: That's yeah. That's
1: eight. eight. That
2: would be a wreck.
1: Not a Holy moly.
2: <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, Joe, to me, like we're, we're hinting it here. The fact that the, the very models we're, we're applying to the problem just don't seem to be working because I think that it, you know, anyone that's studied this subject long enough will tell you of the stories that we have that are nuts and bolts, and the personal stories and the uh, the poltergeist stories. I mean, all of this kind of paranormality, uh, and and then also the UFO technology. I mean, it's all part of the picture. It's it's all there somehow, interrelated, and we just don't. It's like we've lost a a way to honor all of these kinds of experiences, and I think that you know, if I were to kind of look back at history, uh, we we can go back to where, take the church in the in the Middle Ages, you know, they really kind of dominated the landscape, and, and there was a high degree of, you know, spiritual thinking, what we in sort of Western modernity would, would really attribute to, like, a lot of mythologizing and, you know, sort of not, not scientific, and then the Enlightenment area kind of came on the scene as a repudiation, of that way of, of, of doing things. And enlightenment science has brought us a ton of great stuff, right? We've, we can look everywhere in our lives right now and say science, 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 thank you. You know, but at the same time, it's like, we have just like in our own psyches where we kind of can repress, uh, sort of aspects of ourselves and think that, ah, you know, I've pushed that down and that's not, I don't deal with that anymore. But the, the truth is anyone that's worked with, with, uh, Anyone to, in therapy will tell you, you know, it's all a lie. You know, we can kind of push it down as much as we want, but it's going to come back up somehow. And I think that's really what we're seeing here is that we're seeing that, uh, you know, centuries of enlightenment science and, and the wonderful things that has brought us has also suppressed the these very real, you know, very palpable human experiences. And that and, and it has told all of humanity, that is just total garbage, but the truth is, it's not. There's something to all of it. There's some value to our, our mastery of our material world, but also these, these things that we have boxed into this, you know, sort of fantastical category. So I think we need a new model that really gives credence and value and appreciation to the to the scope of these things and says there is some interconnectivity across these fields. And, and I just wondered, you know, who who you may have come across. I know you spent some time, um, may have been a couple of years ago, going through Bill Bengston stuff, uh, You know, kind of looking at things from a scientific a good perspective, but a that really thing good of kind of healing. So you know, what what are your, your thoughts on that? What kind of models could we look to to, to help us with this?
4: Remind me, to, to bring up Bengston, if I forget, but one of the things that was great about the OSAP program, which was the beginning, it wasn't tip. just for people who don't know, it's, it was 2008 to 2010, it was OSAP. And they studied... You know, part of the part of it was Skinwalker Ranch, but they studied that whole area, the Uinta Basin, and they went around and studied cases. And the great thing about that is, you know, and as as an example, people who had interactions. One guy was hurt by a beam from a black triangle. One guy had an orb go through his shoulder, claimed to get sick. Well, they they were able to follow the guy for two years, do blood work. It's science. It's medical. That was mm-hmm. the whole thing. Colin Kelleher is like, yeah, there are positive. They focused on a lot of the criticism said they focused on negative cases, but The positive cases are not documented. When people said, I was healed, well, we don't have, we don't have, most for the most part, we don't have medical documentation for the OSAP program. They did, they had two medical doctors on staff, they did scientific tests, they did blood work. It was a great way to document things. And with the NDAA and the Gillibrand language, if they go investigate a case and people had close encounters and they stay with those people and they investigate it. They're going to get poltergeist. They're going to get poltergeist reports. If those people feel feel comfortable enough, it's going to come out. That's what's great about the Gillibrand language. Bill Bankston has done study after study after study with mice. And, and not all of them are the same exact cancer, but they inject. And I know a lot of people who are animal rights activists. I love it. I don't like that they're doing mice, but mm-hmm. they inject mice with mammary cancer. The mice will live without any interference, any drugs or anything, they'll live a total 27 days. Well, Bankston has a method that he learned from a psychic. His books are great. And he's so down to earth. He's so scientific. He's like, I I learned the method. We tried it on the mice. 80% of the mice in all of his studies live their full lifespan of two years. That should not happen. And he's like, if anybody sees a problem with any, and he's published his reports, he goes, if anybody sees a problem with my experiments, is there anything I'm doing wrong? Feel free to bring it up and we'll Mm -hmm. correct it. So far, nobody has. Um, nobody has replicated. It's very hard to replicate right now because with mice, it's really hard in the United States because of animal rights activists. Um, so I think he's moved to China to do his latest study. But over and over and over again, his method is curing mice. He also did it on humans. But humans, if somebody is cured by cancer and they went to Bankson or one of his healers, you can always say, well, maybe their diet changed and that's what cured their cancer. Maybe something else in their life cured their cancer with mice you know inject mm-hmm. the cancer 27 days they're dead if not something's going on for them to live their entire lifespans something's going on and, and bankston will say that's interesting they can take the mice who was healed inject take blood from that mouse inject it into another mouse who has cancer and the, and that mouse will will heal um and they'll be immune from from cancer their entire lives the latest thing that Bankston is doing with dean Raiden and some other folks is they're trying to record it so whatever's going on in that room they have all these different instruments they're trying to record it to see if they just play it back if it'll create healing in the mice this way he mm. goes we can just upload it to the cloud and just share it with the world which would be amazing and he said we're starting to see effects but it's not as strong as if the people who are sitting there with their hands over the mice and the and the the technique, if you want to go on, the technique is really basic. It's not easy to do, but it's really basic. It's basically, uh, we won't, I don't know if we have time to get into the technique, but go for it. <laughs> I took his class. It's kind of like, and you have to really be open-minded. Although with the science part of it, with the mice, you don't have to be open-minded. Here are the studies. Here are the results. Here are the experiments. Peer-reviewed. We published these papers. You don't have, it doesn't matter if you're open-minded. And also the people who he got to be healers, the people, the students at the schools, he didn't want believers he didn't want to but he wanted people who are like yeah maybe i don't really believe in this but you know let's try it those are the people he wanted if they were people who are like oh yeah i believe in healing 100 he's like nope don't want you um but the method is basically you would it's a it's a it's a manifesting method you you create 20 images in your li- in your mind that you want to achieve in your life if you have a broken leg you know and you want to be playing tennis you you imagine yourself playing tennis you go through you pick 20 of those and you cycle through them as fast as you possibly can until it becomes a blur that's it that's it that that's his technique that he uses and he teaches it to the students and they just sit there for an hour a day over the mice for some reason the mice gravitate towards the left hand don't know why but he says pictures they, they all go over to the left side to the cage um he's and, and i spoke to somebody privately and i'm like what do you think about this he's like Every scientist should try to replicate this. It's one of the most important studies. We have to be able to replicate it because if it's true, it's huge, especially with cancer. Um, my mom passed of cancer. Um, if we can cure people of cancer, you know, it's right now a little more important than UFOs. As much as I love UFOs, cancer is a big deal. Um, but I I have a hard time getting the UFO community interested in anything Bill Bankston does. And uh, he's the head, I think he's the president of the Society for Scientific Exploration. Um Really, really great guy. If you watch his interviews on YouTube, you'll see the guy's like—he's—he's he's like my perfect example of an open-minded scientist. Hopefully, and I will hopefully interview him in the near future. And people can ask questions. People want to be skeptical. He doesn't get offended ever. He doesn't get offended whatsoever.
0: But he if does he have me- some conscious.
4: He does have no. some woo stories in that book. Very little, a couple mm-hmm. of them, and the, but they're really, what really make you question
1: what's going on in our world yeah if you could give me his number after the show i'm probably going to give him a call just in case i'm not i don't have it right now but you never know
3: and we just so, need to make sure we get the links to the <laughs> books and stuff because everybody's asking yeah. on chat yeah. his um, book is so
4: his one book is an audiobook where he just goes through the story he does not he's obviously not reading and it's just great it's one of my favorite audiobooks of all time and he just tells the story of how it happened in the beginning and how the psychic taught him this and how the psychic got a big head and just left. And he was stuck doing it himself. And the psychic was supposed to do the healing in the first experiment. And he left right before the experiment. They had everything set up in a college. So the guy's like, you're going to have to do the healing. And Benson's like, I'm not a healer. I'm like, well, you're going to have to do it. He did it. Wow. I think like six or seven days in, he's like, look at the mice. They're dying. Please let's stop this. Let's put the mice out of their misery. And they're like, no, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Sure enough, the tumor got bigger, imploded. Mice got better. It's really great stuff. People need to check it out. And it also deals with the placebo effect, which might not be exactly what we think it is. It might be some sort of connection between us or between us and their mice, between us as human beings. There may be something that connects us together. I think it's called, I think Richard Sheldrake yeah. called it morphogenic fields, but there's another word he comes up with it. I don't know what it's called. Now I'm rambling.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. I have one. You're not, you know, Lord, I was born a rambling man, Joe Merges. So I, I can I can relate. Paisan, are you from New York? I grew up
4: in Long Island and then I met my second wife who still lives with me um, in Queens. So we lived in Queens, Flushing, and then came out to California and then Vegas 2009. And you know where Westchester County is, right? Peekskill? I do. I don't think I've ever, I'm not sure if I've ever been there. I've been to Catskill. It's upstate.
1: Though. It's upstate. Well, that's where I, That's where I'm from. Anyway, I'm from up there in uh, Montrose, the Montrose area of the Hudson Valley, just adjacent to Peakskill. Shout out to Hendrick Hudson. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I was going to ask you back to consciousness again because uh, and and there's De- Hey, De- where's Flair? Now we don't have a Flair. We, yeah. we lost our Flair. Uh, someone might have turned on the Xbox over at his house, but we'll we'll, we'll get him <laughs> back. Um, but anyway, uh, Deb's, uh, will will uh, she'll be next up? And there he is. Now you got all the cabbies, Joe. You've got us all <laughs> in full strength here. Um, so my question, going back to consciousness, is, and this is a theory. You know, Nathan's heard me discuss this a little bit when we had uh uh, on or Yandoli, and um. If there are certain intelligences that enough experiencers have said are harvesting material, biological material, material from their sexual organs, etc., I would think that, um, do you think it's possible, or would you think it's likely that perhaps they're trying to grow consciousness? They're saying, uh, we don't have it, but in order, if we can get, they have it, and if we can get some of their biological material, then we can uh, we can then form or create our own consciousness uh, by these sort of hybridized beings.
4: Cannot take any theory off the table. I've never heard that theory, but that's interesting. I mean, you know maybe maybe and but there are also people like Carla Turner who is now no longer with us who believe that the whole, taking of egg and sperm and you know creating babies and she said in her opinion that might just be a just a cover story for what they're really doing which she didn't know um yeah maybe they need something from us even if it's not consciousness maybe maybe it's us from the future and we've lost our way where we're little gray characters although some people think they're robots i don't know there's so many theories out there i don't know how we're going to get to the bottom of it to tell you the truth you know even like I said, even if we have craft and bodies, how do you even know where they're from? There's no way unless you and I've can't. made the joke unless on, on their ass it's stamped, you know, made in Zeta <laughs> Reticuli. There's no way unless you have video tracking that craft from deep, deep space. Um, And I spoke to somebody and it's I didn't speak to somebody. It's on a Facebook page that is private, so I couldn't share it specifically. But they're like and they've had access to classified data. And they're like, as far as I know, there is no data. That, I, that I've been able to access that shows anything coming from outside of the orbit of the moon. Um, that data may exist, but I have not seen it.
1: So, yeah, I don't know that's, how we're that's, even going to... That's a whole other matter. Whether or not that person has seen it is is another story. Because if you listen to John Ramirez, he said he's seen them outside of orbit. So... It's who has access to what, so I don't know. He's seen.
4: He said he's seen data that shows that they're outside of orbit, the moon's orbit, like coming from deep space. I think outside of the
1: Earth's orbit. I don't know about outside the moon's orbit.
4: Yeah, um, we would need know. to just track them from very deep space. And but then again, it doesn't even prove anything. I really don't know how we're going to prove any of this. So it's, you know, it's like the fact that we could just show that something that's not part of our society it's not a state actor not a non-state actor it's something anomalous is here because i do think the theory that some of this is based on earth is a valid theory um that's pretty cool if if it is based on earth it would it it, it could explain why they're interested in nukes because hey we live here too we don't care as much about humans but we care about the planet so but then there's a theory you know there's a theory that, that they're just trying to pretend to be et's so they pay attention to the nukes to trick us, but they're really not ETs. They're demons and demon-like. And I heard Ray Boucher talk about that. That's a person. One of my sources said, "Read Valet, read Diana Pasalka read what was the third one? Pasolka, Valet, and uh, Boucher, who's, no, Jean Boucher." Who's no John Boucher? Who's Ray Boucher? Who's all of this stuff is online. He's a he's a former reverend. And then the fourth one was Nick Redfern, who talks about the mm. Collins elite in Final Theory. And the person said, you're going to think, right, you know, Nick Redfern puts out a book every week. It looks like he really doesn't do any research. I'm like, yeah, it does seem that way. He goes, yeah, but there's some stuff in there that's really good from him." So. But Val but John Keel is a must read for anybody who's interested in UFOs. I mean, just for the history that he goes into in the beginning. And then he talks about the theories that it may be an intelligence that can create anything it wants. It's so super advanced. It messes with us. Some of it's positive, some of it's negative, some of it's neutral. I, I was so amazed by that book and somebody turned Gary Nolan is the one who told me, he goes, you should read that book.
1: Well, here's somebody that's uh, super advanced and super positive, and she is our researcher. Uh, who has a show called Deb's Data Dojo, and uh, and she also goes by A Study of UAPs. Hi, Deb's.
5: Hi, everybody. Sorry, I'm late.
3: Debbie. Hi.
5: Hi Deb. hey. We love Deb. Go ahead. Oh, I I just was um really appreciating all the work that you did today, um, and I was wondering kind of what which like material do you recommend to other people coming into this topic other than keel but like when you decide who am i going to go listen to who do you think people should be following depends on what they're looking
4: for like with with history richard dolan is great and he has so many lectures online if people don't want to read because i have people in my family one cousin who's interested and i'm like read i have the pdf for skinwalkers at the pentagon read this he's like Two days later, he goes. I I, I need the audio version. <laughs> so I'm like, there is no, there is no audio version. So um, <laughs> but there's so much Dolan online. He has a lot of good information on the UFO history. Um, Keel is yeah a great one. Valet. Um, I'm trying to think for the very beginning. Dolan is a great one for the very beginning because he doesn't in his historical books he doesn't go into nuts and bolts. There's also another book I have not read it. I've I've glimpsed through it. It was recommended to me by Michael Vi, who I interviewed, who had an experience. He was on Unidentified. I'll have to find it. You um, mm-hmm. go what about Leslie book. Kane. Leslie Kane is a great place to start, um, mm-hmm. and also see the. If people don't want to read, some people just don't like to read. See the Phenomenon by James Fox. Any of his mm-hmm. movies he's done in the past. Um, Ross Goldhart's movie is 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 another one. His documentary, Ross Goldhart's book In Plain Sight, is a really good one that goes through history and covers a lot of ground. Ross's book and Leslie's book, anything Leslie has done, um, I, and, I, and I have to come up with a list for UFO books because I don't have them offhand. But the, the one I'm talking about that, that deals with that deals with government documents, it's it's very and even John Greenwald, who I battle with, I've recommended his book. I recommended his book before. He has a really great book that goes through government documents in history, and it's got some really great information in there. So. I do need to do a, a blog page where I just go through books. Uh, Whitley Strieber, for me, it's, it's it's essential reading for anybody interested in this subject because he gets into, he goes in starting off with his, I mean, abduction to already not nuts and bolts, but it goes down even further. I mean, where he's meditating every day and he has, you know, it's more metaphysical than I ever realized, which I really loved. Um, And, and then you start going into out of body books, must reads, Robert Monroe books are must reads strict ufos though history the beginning dolan has a book called ufos for the 20 20th, 20th century mind which is a great place for people to start and he goes into a little bit more non-nuts and bolts more um more consciousness stuff but it it's a really it's a really great it's not a really deep read like his history books are like really thick but ufos for a 20th century mind 21st century mind i think uh it's a really great place to start and by the way, somebody on the, in the in the chat asked about Bankston's method. It is not Reiki. No, it's not Reiki. Thank you.
1: Welcome.
4: You read
3: my mind. That's what I was going to pick out of the chat.
1: Good job, Joe. Uh, <laughs> my my, um, Somehow
0: just my second reading.
4: ex-wife does Reiki. Um, yeah, and Bankston will not down. He's like, yeah, Reiki works for whatever Reiki works for, but my specific thing does really good with cancer and the more aggressive the cancer, the more it seems to work, the better it mm-hmm. seems to work.
1: And Chris, can you pop that up there or?
3: Yeah, it was just basically, it was a question. Uh, okay. Did they use Reiki, uh, Reiki techniques? Oh,
1: you already, okay. Yeah, he, okay. yeah, okay. cause
3: okay. He's still, okay. he caught it before I popped it up cause we're in synchronicity, right Joe?
1: <laughs> yes, Joe Merger. Joe Merger. All right, back to my brother, uh, Nathan.
2: Yeah. So I guess uh, I'm going to keep, keep uh, going down this path, but I, you know, we since we have talked about the spectrum of the phenomena, I, you know, and, and since I recently talked a little bit on disclosure, I, I mean, it, don't you think that we kind of um, like the world has to be conditioned to be able to, to sort of be at a place where we can have this conversation because I'm of the opinion that if it's just aliens, right? If it's just extraterrestrials who've come to visit us, like that's a pretty easy story to tell. You know, like,
4: right, I agree. I've said aliens are
2: here. Great. Like, we learned we're not alone. Hooray. Like, they're either going to destroy us. Okay. We're nothing we can do or they're not. And so that's a good story. I mean, that's, pretty, you know, that's simple. It's not complicated. And I think most of the world, most of the world is pretty much ready for that. And so a week in, later,
4: and a week later, they'll be like, "What is Kim Kardashian up to today?" Right? Exactly. <laughs> well, let's get
2: exactly. Let's what
1: get
4: back surgery? To reality
2: TV. You know this, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so I think it's too simple, and that's why that's not it, right? So it, because I, because I do think it is more of these complicated things that that this that this consciousness component, that the nature of reality itself is something other than what we think it is. That's what makes this such a big challenge. That how do you really tell that story? And I'm I'm also of the opinion that that the government has to do this in little pieces, because it's almost like a, um, it's like if I if I give something to a if I give a new toy to a kid, and let let's say that if they play with it, that maybe it comes in different pieces. If they play with it in the wrong way, it doesn't get assembled, and doesn't the the, the final assembly doesn't if it. It's Voltron, right? So if I give them the little, (laughs) you know, and they're not playing with it, right? You know, they can't build Voltron. So I need to give them one little, you know, sort of lion at a time and show them how it works. And that's the, that's the arm, that's the head, that's the body. That's the, you know, okay, now put it together. Um, If that's the case, you know, how long do you think this journey is going to be before uh, the world is really at a place where we can accept what, what, what is really going on here?
4: And specifically, how how are scientists going to be able to handle the fact that reality is so much different? I mean, they have problem dealing with the with the uh, double slit experiment. You know, right? It's like scientists are like, well, yeah, that happens on the quantum level, but not on not on the macro level. Well, we don't know that. And if it does happen on the macro level, you know, our world is so it's like it turns everything upside down. So how long before we get there? I mean, it could be decades before we get there. I hope not. Um, you know there's some people think that the the planet is going through such a crisis environmentally and you know cyclical disasters may pop up here and there that it's going to force it's going to force disclosure but i don't know if i you know i don't see that happening you know you never mm-hmm. know what's going to go on what's going to pop up surprises here and there and you know i just can't like you said it i just can't see us going even if we get to the point where like oh look there are craft here and there are bodies that doesn't take us to consciousness okay. unless they come out and say We've seen them create this out of thin air using we don't even understand the technology. Maybe that'll get us in that direction. But George Knapp, as you know, like you said, extraterrestrials, fine. A lot of people may be able to accept that. But if it talks about other beings in some other dimension that are around us all the time, they can see us Mm -hmm. all the time. We can't see them. They're watching you when you're in the bathroom, when you're taking a shower. People are not going to be able to handle that. I mean, a lot of us may not be able to handle that. So yeah. Time-wise, I would just tell people just be patient because there are people that are not patient and they start getting so negative right away and they start becoming debunkers. I've seen it. I've seen it in the past. I see it now. And it's like, they get out of control with the negativity. I'm like, just calm down. We're making progress. You know, this is progress. What's going on. We have a yeah. senators talking about this. I, I know it's not exactly what you want and you want it to happen fast, but things are going well. Um, Timelines are tough as far as consciousness. But like I said, if we can get them to accept that they were lied to, and I'm not even saying just you were misled. This stuff was real. You were duped. There's a lot of other stuff you were duped about. Let's talk about remote viewing. Let's talk about related issues with consciousness. And I think people will be more receptive once they realize how wrong they were about UFOs.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about how Pat Price was able to visualize a very, very specific structure in Russia somewhere that he could not have known just by based on them giving him grid coordinates. Yeah. So. He was
4: able, he was one of the few that could actually read numbers off of documents, which is a disaster and a nightmare for a government. If you have a special mm-hmm. access program with code words, he was able to come up with them. That's norm, not the norm for a remote viewer. <laughs> there are people that felt he was murdered. If you saw psychic's uh, third Eye Spies, they kind of go in that direction. It was a very mysterious death with Pat Price. Um, he was amazing, though. I wish he was still, I wish him and Ingo were still with us. To Ingo Swan, another amazing remote
1: mm-hmm. viewer. Yep. Yep. I, I ended up getting on uh, a show where there was a couple of remote viewers and they were mentioning those names, and I was fascinated. Um, I wanted to go back to the, you know, probably one of the few people I've seen in ufology that has better hair than you do, and that's Richard Dolan. Um, and his, um, he, uh, interviewed that guy on the Jeremy Corbell short film that was maybe 20 minutes long. And it was a gentleman, uh, in the hotel room who was a retired CIA agent. And I'm curious, I know that you're familiar with this film. And so I'd like to just get your, uh, unvarnished take on that and the material presented. It's been a
4: while, it's been a while since I've seen that, um, and I know people say it's been debunked, that guy. And I don't know exactly what they've debunked. Um, I don't really have much to add about that. Um, but I could talk about deathbed confessions. Somebody asked today if you think there's going to be more deathbed confessions, and it depends. These guys believe that they're patriotic by keeping this secret. They don't. They don't think. They don't think it's a good idea. Like especially if we have a craft and we're trying to back engineer it. They don't think it's a good thing to be talking about secrets, even on their deathbed. We haven't seen that many of those type of things. I mean, I'm trying to think of the closest the closest deathbed confession we've had was with Ross Coulter and the guy, Nat Kolbitz, who had cancer. And he told, you know, he said to Ross, he said, screw it. I'll tell you. Yes, I was read into the program. And, um, you know, we have multiple craft and Mm -hmm. he never was able to see them. So, you know. Can't confirm that, but he said that he was taken to to Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and he showed them a, they showed him a material that he could not figure out how it was manufactured. That's Mm -hmm. the closest deathbed confession, but he didn't, you know, he told Ross, you know, on the phone, so we don't have a recording of it. You would think, you would think, if somebody, if there was a piece of information like bodies. That would not be a national security issue to me if, if, you know, if somebody had seen that before they died, I know people have talked about that before of uh, related to Roswell. Um,
1: Richard Doty said 100. hundred percent He said hundred percent. What did he say was hundred percent? He said he, we asked him, well, he saw a 16 millimeter film of of uh, Oh, somebody's uh, Debs has something. Uh, he saw a 16 millimeter film of a being when it was live and he saw photos and um, and also the same of the craft. And so I said, your percentage of surety that we have captured craft from Roswell. And he said 100 percent when he was TDY out to uh, debt three, Air Force, debt three at Groom Lake or Area 51. We asked him, how certain are you that we have captured craft there? And he said, because I didn't see them with my own eyes, 80%. Right. And and
4: and George Knapp tells a story about somebody he met that told him the same thing that they had a live alien at Area 51. It's one of my favorite tweet threads I had. Um, it's the same person that Amy Jacobson said told her that no, Roswell was German technology, and I forget exactly oh. the details. You know, yeah. And 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 this guy told George Knapp, he's like, No, it was, you know he george was interviewing about area 51 and the guy's like you don't want to you want to know about ufos right he's like yeah i need him the guy's passed on by now um so he can't be interviewed and then do you know dodie is controversial i mean, I spent time with dodie at the ufo megacon in june here in laughlin nevada and really good guy great to talk to really nice guy very likable you know just like hal Putoff. he worked with hal Putoff down in austin at hal's place and hal's like yeah really great guy and some of the information he shared, we couldn't verify. Some of it we could. So I don't know. I mean, Dodi says a lot of things in his lectures. He talked about there was a, a group of military guys that went into this underground mountain where there were ETs like right in front of them. Uh, he talked about another situation where these ETs popped into a room and they were human um, They were lo- human looking ETs and they just tore everybody in part and killed everybody in the room. So it's like, I, I don't know what to believe from him. Because I can't verify any of it, but there are multiple people who talk about Roswell. Um, but that's a debate that happened—a debate that happened recently with uh, the guy who's writing the articles for the Hill, Merrick, who's written some great articles for the Hill. He's like, I believe uh, Roswell was a you know a mogul weather balloon. So a mogul yeah. balloon, you know, and I and you know, yeah. Davis is 100%. Lou said he believes it. Um, yeah. there's the only way to know is we get to see it. For sure, 100%.
5: So, I mean, I've
4: left open the possibility that everybody's lying to us because they want to convince the Russians that we have this. I don't think that's the case. But I I leave it open like this, you know, just in case. I don't think that's the case, though. I mean, my opinion, my judgment, talking to people, you know, Roswell, and then we have Trinity, which is a totally another case. I was told by somebody that it was second or third hand. Somebody said, so-and-so thinks that's a prosaic case. So, and they were connected to the UFO story in the government. So I don't know. And, and, you know, and then we have Lou talking about Italy back in the, I think it was the thirties about a craft Mm -hmm. that was retrieved by Mussolini and we wound up getting it. And then you have another source of mine talked about a craft that landed in Kingman that was in totally intact, just sitting there. George Knapp did a report on that. So, you know, if we have all of that stuff that alone will, will, will get us past, that'll get us to the point where it's real. It's that's it. That's no doubt about it. It's real. And then my, from my hopes, we can get into more of the consciousness stuff. I think people will naturally I would think people would naturally speak about that if the answer yep. isn't
1: strict E.T. as Nathan said. Yep. And get to where Nathan wants us to get to as a as a, a human race. Uh, so um, there is Cat on our chat that Akashi Chris has uh, something. Kat is uh, one of our friends and we'd like to put up her comment uh, her question, please. Okay. If I had an imaginary friend as a child that I swore up and down, he was real an ex-boyfriend had the same experience. Thoughts?
4: Yeah. And when I was little in my baby book, it says, I would blame everything on the robot, which I don't remember anything, but it says the robot did it. The robot did it, mom, the robot did it. So who is the robot? Maybe we're, as children, we're able to see more, you know, we're not biased at all. And we could see into these other realms easier. It seems like kids do have that ability. Until they get older, just like with reincarnation cases with kids mm-hmm. as a younger, there's like 4000 cases that Ian Stevenson investigated where the kids are like mostly in countries that believe in reincarnation. But the kids are like, oh, by the way, you're not my real mother, my real parents, my, you're not my real father. My real parents live in this town and they can name all of the all of the other previous, you know, family members that were from his previous life. They take the kid there and he just names all of them could tell him where the jewels were hidden, stuff, details like that. Um, reincarnation is, and, and I'm getting off the question. Reincarnation may be real. Evidence points in that direction. Our mm-hmm. kids who are talking about imaginary friends actually seeing a real being? Mm-hmm. That's possible. I mean, I can't rule that out. Um, Yeah, you know, definitely. I personally don't remember seeing anything like that in my house, but I have I have a cousin who said with her husband saw a beam of light in her house. Come down from the ceiling. I like, got like, like this wide. Come down, and a being step out of it halfway. Oh. Um, in in her mind, she mm. said, "You know what?" At first, she was like, "I want to see you." She changed her mind. And said, "Please, I don't want to see it." And the thing just step back in. and thing closed back up. She said it was her and her husband. So, oh my you know, god! You know, in that house, I was always afraid to go to that house. It was
1: the scariest house
4: as a kid. Oh my god! That, oh my god! That,
1: that right there is terrifying. Uh, Can I, I interject ter- one
3: quick? Yeah, I'm sorry. So, Joe, back to, before you move on on that one, because I I find it really interesting. I always see kind of back to the perspective that we were talking about earlier about end of life and being able to see things that maybe are not there. I find it's like the bookends of life. At the beginning, you seem to be very pure of mind. And I'm wondering that that, because I was looking into the uh, reincarnation cases, Leslie Keene, surviving death, you know, DACO. And stuff. So I, I find those really interesting it's almost like at the beginning and at the end, you gain some clarity of sorts. Wow. So
4: yeah, and is rude. that intentional? Is that so we can live our lives without that distraction? I don't know. I mean, oh, yeah. there are other people, there are other people. I'll tell a really quick story. If you thought that was scary, here's another one. My first wife <laughs> was a natural she was a natural psychic, and one day I brought her to a church. It was a wasn't evangelical. I forget what it was, but she really didn't want to go. I dragged her. I said, listen, my friend is singing in the choir. I want you to go with me. She's like, okay. So we went and as my friends up there singing, we're sitting there. I look over at my wife and she starts crying and she looks so scared. And I'm like, what the hell? Um, she's got tears coming down. She's like, oh, no. what tears coming down. So I waited till afterwards. And I said, well, what happened? She's like, she goes, I saw this this really nasty being on the altar and it looked at me and it communicated telepathically and said, I know you can see me and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. And it started oh, gliding wow. and it started gliding towards her. She said it looked reptilian like started gliding toward her. And then it just disappeared into the preacher or the, or the reverend. And that's when he went into his spiel pushing for money, like really exploded.
1: Wow! Like,
4: it's like, yeah. And I, And I shook his hand afterwards and I'm like, why didn't you tell me this before I shook his hand? What if the thing was still in it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was, and she had experiences where we had some confirmation that what she saw matched Uh, real quick. It was a house where this lady, uh, it was some, we were at some new age get together. And she says, she whispers, she goes, I see this really, really tall native American here, like up to the ceiling, like nine feet tall, whispers, whispers it to me. Then we meet the owner of the house who we didn't know. And, She says, so, you know, you have any spirit guides here? That's all she said. And the lady goes, oh, yeah, I have a real, really tall Native American here. So it's like confirmation. (laughs) It doesn't prove anything, but it's confirmation that maybe what she was seeing was in reality some other dimension of something. So, yeah, she's had other experiences.
1: That's trippy. It's (laughs) it's confirmation to me that I'm not going to sleep tonight, Joe Mergia. And let me tell you (laughs) something, man. If ever we've had a guest that had a mic drop moment times three, on this show, that's you, my friend. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. That those are Mike drop moments. Let's let the the cabbies go round. And man, uh, and I'll I'll I'm gonna I'm, I'm still processing the story. <laughs> Akashi, Chris.
3: Oh, I'm I. I just want to say thank you. This has been just at so many levels. It's been it's been great for me and um, getting to know you and getting to know your stories. And my God, there's so many. You know, you got so many angles and you've done so many things. I'm just, I'm just glad you were able to stop by and hang out with us today and just share your perspectives. Thank you.
4: Thank you.
2: Yeah, I would echo that too, Joe. I, um, I always look forward to your transcriptions and I do read your blog. Uh, I, I think you've got a lot of wisdom over the years of having studied this. And I take that like really seriously, um, I think, you know, folks that have studied this the longest, and you look at Jacques Fillet as a great example. You know, they they don't land on easy conclusions, and I think that's telling us something. So, you know, I applaud you for the work that you're doing, for really trying to suss out the truth here. And uh, you know as well as anyone how much it takes a, a group of people to to figure this out. It's a team effort, and uh, I hope you can count on us as uh as allies in that effort if you need anything just give us a shout yeah great thank you Thanks, Nathan Debs
5: um I wanted to say thank you also not only for coming to talk to us but for the people out there that I hear from who are always praising your work and saying go check out what he's got you know and some of those people don't have access to some materials that you're providing transcripts for. So thank you very much.
4: Yep. You're welcome.
0: Hi. <laughs> <clears throat> Is it my turn? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I always got to make it awkward. Back, <laughs> Back to <out>. you, Flair. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, thank you for your content. And man, this has been a great episode. I had a, I had a great time listening to you. You're very insightful. I appreciate all the work since the 90s. So I guess I've got a lot to catch up. As far as your work, I've got a lot of reading to do. So thank you for all that. Appreciate You're welcome. You. Yeah. It's one good thing about having an
4: obsess obsessive compulsive personality is this. I can obsess <laughs> over a tar- a topic and
1: stick with it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this has been great, man. Great discussion. Thanks, Thanks. Thank you.
1: Joe, you know, we're basically like babes in the woods compared to you. I mean, We're in the infant stage of studying this topic. Everybody on this panel is compared to you. I mean, you're in this over 20 years, and that's why you're like five more years. You're like five years ago. I was thinking, you know, we might see something in 10 years. I mean, so you, you, you do add an incredible perspective. You have that OG quality, if you will, that we don't have. And we're extremely grateful that you would come and share, as Nathan said, your wisdom and your knowledge uh, with us uh, on uh, when people join us, kind of we think they're joining the cab family. Uh, it's a it's a welcoming sort of love environment, if you will. Some people might think that sounds stupid. that's okay. Um, and so we're greatly, greatly appreciative that you decided that uh, you would come and share your knowledge with us. and uh, I think we have plenty of meat on the bone for a round two in in the future so yeah
4: definitely um, thanks thanks for inviting me and sticking with it because i was not responding because i was kind of trying to cut back on shows because i never have enough time to even work on transcripts because they take so long so yeah thank you for sticking with it and i'm glad i did it and you guys are great
1: it was an honor for uh nathan for akashi chris for kevin and for deb's this is dj saying peace out one love and we'll see you down the road
2: Peace.
3: peace peace